0: Welcome to the
1: Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to welcome all listeners from around the world to Mobility Innovator Podcasts. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovator Podcasts invite key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their thoughts about the key changes in the sector, about their work, and what is their forecast for the future. Today, I'll be speaking with a very good friend. He works as an assistant professor of public transport at Delft University of Technology, and he's also the co-director of Smart Public Transport Lab. He has been involved in public transport project for over 15 years and has expertise in public transport planning and design as well as dealing with customer experience, service reliability, and big data. I'm so happy to welcome Dr. Niels Vanot, Assistant Professor of Public Transport at Delft University of Technology and co-director of Smart Public Transport Lab. Now it's time to listen and learn. Hello Niels, uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's wonderful to have you on the show to share your knowledge with the listener.
0: Yes, thank you uh, Yaspal for inviting me. Exciting to, to be here.
1: Yeah, we'll have fun for next one hour. So today I'll be spending time to learn more about you, your key research projects, uh, their findings and your perspective on future of mobility. You are doing a lot of exciting work. So I am really curious to learn more from you. And uh, to start with, I would like you to share a little more about yourself with our listener. Are there any interesting facts about your career that are not on your LinkedIn?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think there's a lot of my LinkedIn, to be honest. I like the platform to share and and to learn. Uh, there are a couple of things uh, not in there, uh, I think. Um, I'm a father of uh, three uh, great children, uh, two small ones and one big one. And, and she's actually studying uh, at, in another university, though. But it helps me also to learn from the other side of the table how <laughs> uh, students perceive uh, uh, lectures, etc. So that's, mm. uh, that's interesting. And also what's not explicitly in there, I would say, uh, I left the university a couple of times. I'm sort mm. of a boomerang. I'm leaving after my master, after my PhD, but I always come back. And uh, I think that's because I'm very curious how things, especially mobility and public transport, uh, works. Yeah, and, and uh, Delft University of Technology is a great environment to, uh, mm. to do research, to teach, to learn uh, and, and to share. So in the end, I, I uh, proved to be a, a very poor predictor of my own career. <laughs> because I left and then I, I came back again and and uh, here we are now actually since a couple of years I'm a full-time uh, academic mm. I used to be a part-timer uh, but I'm excited in this in this job I'm excited with our lab and um, yeah even more things to come I would say
1: that's great now we'll learn more about uh, your lab and all uh, in in uh, coming moments now I, that's an interesting point to share about learning from your own kids and uh, having a auditor at home who is auditing everything what you're teaching so that's exciting and i hope uh, you know she gave a good feedback about what's happening and what's not happening it's 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 amazing also, you mentioned about you did your bachelor and master's in traffic and transportation at Delft University of Technology, and also you did PhD on the topic of service reliability in, in public transport. And I know you are very passionate about that topic. I'm curious to learn about your finding from your PhD. And uh, in today's world, uh, how can cities improve the reliability of their service? Because that's the biggest challenge they are facing. Uh, and the customer also want more reliability and predictability. And uh, what role does technology play in achieving this goal?
0: Yeah, good question. Yeah I'm indeed very passionate about uh, service reliability. At, at some point in, in my company, I wasn't allowed to talk about it anymore <laughs> because I was apparently talking about it uh, all day. but to be uh, uh, jokes aside, I think it, it's, it's one of the crucial uh, quality aspects of, of public transport actually. and I think in general, uh, passengers perceive it as a very important aspect. But the level, actual level of service reliability is is not always uh, as high as it should be. So I think that that needs attention uh, from uh, from multiple um, views. And I think one of my main conclusions and findings from uh, from my research was first of all to look at uh, at the passenger perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about buses and trams and and vehicles uh, all day, but in the end, it's how how the passenger perceives service reliability. Uh, that's one thing and. Uh, regarding the improvement of the level of service reliability, What I did in my thesis was to focus on the planning.
1: Uh, mm. In
0: the end, it's, it's the interaction of planning and, and operations uh, that determines uh, service reliability to, for passengers. And I found that there was much attention to operations, which is good, but I see plenty of opportunities also in the planning stage. Right? If, mm. we, if we develop poor schedules, if we, if we develop poor networks, uh, including infrastructure and, and service networks. Yeah, then we cannot achieve service reliability, whatever we do during uh, operations. And, and that's also where I think technology comes into play. Uh, a traditional one is, is focusing on um, traffic light priorities for public transport. We can do yeah. that in nowadays with new technology and uh, connected uh, vehicles, etc., cetera, in a much more sophisticated and efficient way.
1: Hmm.
0: That helps. But also the tools and the models we are developing, I think, yeah. would be very helpful. And one of the things I, I, I did research about and, and wrote some papers about is our transport models, uh, which are great to predict ridership uh, depending on network uh, um, input, for instance. But what I always say is all public transport operates on time in our models. That That's mm. not quite uh, how it is in practice. So it, yeah, we are developing and developed uh, approaches and, and um, algorithms to actually make these models a bit more like real life, where we can mm. also assess the impact of uh, off and on service reliability. So it's it's either technology on the street, you could say, but I would also stress technology with regard to our tools and models, which can also uh, be improved. And, and that's also what I like about uh, and I hope to provide as, as an academic to provide insights and, and knowledge and, and uh, parameters for instance to, to, uh, to, to improve these models.
1: Well, that's great, no I really like your point about uh, looking the service reliability from the passenger point rather than from the vehicle point and and also that everything starts with planning but the operation need to execute it so you can have a good planning, but poor operation, it will not work. And similarly, if you have a bad planning and good operation, it will not work. So it has to be balanced. Can you share a little more about the public transport lab at Delft University? You just mentioned that you are now looking after that as a co-director. And uh, I also saw that you are working with a lot of partners from public transport agencies and uh, industry members and all. Uh, is there any plan to start working with startup and involve startup with the uh, this lab?
0: Yes, first, let me explain a bit indeed about the lab. I'm very excited uh, about it. I'm indeed uh, co-directing the lab together with my colleague, uh, Odette Katz. And hmm. it's, uh, it's a great adventure, uh, to be honest. And we, uh, we launched this lab only in 2018. So we're okay. still young, you could say. Um, but we are nowadays with about 20 uh, researchers. And also on an annual basis, we have about... 20 master students um, doing their master thesis in the field of public or shared uh, public transport or shared mobility so in that sense we had a steep um, uh, growth last uh, last years and uh, yeah and it's it's great to, to because of this lab i think we can uh, we we didn't have a, an explicit focus on public transport before we we did have public transport attention hmm. but it was not um, combined and, and in a joint group uh, uh, so also the sense of belonging was limited in that sense and also our visibility was, was limited, I would say. Um, so I was happy to, uh, to create that one and uh, both with regard to, to, to research, but also with regard to teaching. And uh, also our students now better can find us, And happy to say that uh, our new generation of students uh, seem to be more interested in more sustainable mobility. I think sustainability oh, yeah. in general. Uh, also uh, uh, thinking about climate discussion. And also there's more interest uh, from their side to, to, uh, to go into more public transport um, uh, 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 specialized courses, for instance. And in the end, that's also how we could help the industry to provide um, excellent new uh, talents for, yep. uh, for them. And uh, that's also what, um, uh, what is important in these partnerships you, you mentioned. Because what I did before starting this, uh, this lab I made a, a round in, in the industry, so to speak, drinking coffee or some other drinks with many people to, to learn about the challenges of society. Because for me, my main drive in my work is is contributing and trying to make, to make a societal impact. I, I believe that public transport plays an important role in addition to active modes and other things. Um, but to, to make a real societal impact, I think we should, as academics, we should, we should first listen to society to know yeah. what the challenges are. Uh, so that's what we did. And actually, those were great meetings with multiple agencies, uh, operators, uh, consultancy, uh, all levels uh, from CEO to the, the policymakers, etc. I learned a lot there about uh, what we should actually do as TU Delft and, and, and Smart uh, Public Transport Lab. And actually, during these talks, we also were thinking, okay, this is what we should do. and We should get more insights and help, for instance, with mobility as a service, with emerging modes, with uh, service reliability. And then let's discuss how are we going to do this? And then we mm-hmm. came up with these partnerships where we closely work with uh, operators, authorities, etc. via students, but also more uh, in-depth via uh, PhD programs, postdoc program- programs, uh, which is great. Because it's really what I like uh, in the, uh, the gap between science and practice oh, yeah. from, from our side, from academia, helping uh, society. And uh, so far, startups, are, now I must say startups are getting uh, also uh, be, uh, come in the loop as well um it's 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 a different world as you know of course <laughs> some come and go so it's 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 harder to get a a, a sustainable relationship with oh, yeah. but, um it's getting there and also our students they they like it uh, it's it's nice that uh, it's it's uh nowadays fortunately we're going hopefully back forever to to live uh, lectures and it's nice to discuss with the students also how they look at the world, and for them these startups and these new modes—that's th- their—that's their, that's their uh, uh, the daily life, so you could say. So they also are very interested in these companies to work mm-hmm. with, uh, etc. Which also helps us to get a little bit of uh, uh, nowadays uh, trends, etc.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, you raise a uh, couple of very interesting points. Uh, one you mentioned about getting feedback from the society, so that human-centric approach. A load of uh, public transit agencies or operator, they do planning without understanding what customer need and what customers are looking. And, and the second point you mentioned about uh, bringing science and practice together, because that's what sometimes people feel like academia is doing something which is not relevant for the practical world, but that's a that's a great point. And, and uh, startup, they come and go, that's how their life is. Uh, some of them flourish, some of them die, that's the that's different world altogether. No, as, long as,
0: we learn, as long as we learn along the way from that, <laughs> then, then I think it, uh, it's helpful.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, now, coming back to your research, uh, you co-authored a paper in 2020 to promote the awareness of light rail system. And I'm a big fan of light rail uh, mode. I love your 5E model uh, for building a light rail system. Would love to know what those 5Es are. And uh, I agree with you, like all the modes are relevant and depending on the context, one may be more appropriate than others. But sadly, light rail could not be able to expand in a big way. At UITP also, there was research done and we didn't find a big expansion of light rail system around the globe. And the reason for that, you also covered in your study the failure of a lot of light rail system, including one in Netherlands, uh, the Netherlands, the Tram. And in fact, in I'm, I'm in Canada and I know in Ottawa they are facing big issue with the light rail system. How do you think the technology can help to run and operate light rail system in the city efficiently and how they can help to promote uh, light rail more and more uh, around the globe?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a very good uh, aspect. Yeah, and st- starting with with uh, with light rail, indeed. Yeah. Light rail is one tool in our toolbox uh, to hopefully contribute to these these five E as we uh, we uh, mentioned them. And, and depending on the context and the goals, hmm. uh, sometimes a BRT is better. Sometimes a metro, something. Uh, sometimes something else. And that's also what I would like to stress because. I see, I wrote a book about light rail, So then people think oh. you're a fan of light rail. So the only solution you will talk about is, is light rail. <laughs> um, and indeed, I see a lot of opportunities for light rail, uh, And it's important, I think, from our perspective to to get more knowledge about uh, when and how to uh, apply. apply. But I don't like these discussions. So it's uh, that people already know the solution before the problem is is, is mm. there. Eh? Whatever your problem is, problem is, I give you or BRT or I give you light rail or whatever. And that, that's one of the challenges I think in, in the public transport industry, um, where I would say it's even wider than public transport, including um, active modes, uh, for instance. Yeah, and these five E's are, are relevant. Eh? Um, uh, maybe good to, to, uh, to, uh, to tell a bit about them. Uh, it shows actually the value uh, the wider um, benefits of, of well-designed and operated public transport, including light rail, that's not only about the first E, effective mobility, bringing people from A to B in a comfortable and fast, reliable manner, but it's also about efficient cities, mm. uh, efficient use of space. I, I like the term mass transit in that sense,
1: mm. because
0: I think for uh, mass uh, transport, you need uh, something else than individual uh, vehicles, if you want to do it in a space-efficient way, it's about the economy, it's about uh, the environment, and last but not least, it's also about equity, uh, social uh, social inclusion. So that, that mm. framework helps us to, uh, in, in in the case of rail, also to stress, um, depending on your goals, make sure that you show what the benefits could be. Mm. And in, in that sense, also, if we talk about technology, also here, I think technology is not only about Uh, the the stuff on the street, so to speak. It's also about the tooling and the models. uh, For instance, uh, societal cost uh, and benefit analysis, a very popular uh, tool in many parts of the world. Yeah, we found out that many of these E's are not explicitly included. So Mm -hmm. if you only look at the cost of things and you don't look at the wider benefits, it's hard to get a good discussion about uh, the the usability of a specific uh, uh, solution. And even I would, would, uh, would say that sometimes technology uh, is, is a reason why these projects are not uh, succeeding. Yes. Uh, so in what we did in our book, uh, we compared 61 uh, uh, light rail projects. Sometimes these projects are so technocratic. Uh, and I, I'm from Delft University of Technology. <laughs> so I like that part in, in, uh, from a personal perspective. But the tricky thing with light rail is that the uh, society... Uh, 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 the inhabitants, they are not completely familiar with the term. And if it gets too technocratic, then you don't get the support from your municipality or city uh, you you want to. So sometimes even technology should be, uh, in general technology should serve the needs of the people instead of the other way around. Uh, So that's also an important point. Of course, there's a lot of technology that could help Implementing good light rail systems—it's about good infrastructure, well-designed, um, a good interaction, and respect for other modes. Especially in another case in the Netherlands, uh, field project, there was a, a the, the the project didn't take into account uh, the cyclists in a good way. And um. if you're in the Netherlands, if if you have a fight with the cycling community. Then your project is gone, and 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 I agree there. So you should take that into account with good designs, uh, and also yeah, technology could could help there. I would say.
1: Yeah, no, but that's a great point. Like, if you have a problem with cyclists, uh, you you are facing a challenge because in North America and other places, it's the car which dominate the street, and you always keep fighting with the car owners. But, in a way, it's a good problem. and And you rightly mentioned about uh, the light rail system. the The technology sometimes is overplayed role and and uh, sometimes can be a deterrence or a hindrance for implementing the light rail system. The funny thing in India, they are trying to sell the light rail system to cities because many cities are looking for metro and they are trying to sell the light rail system to the city. So they actually rename the light rail as into Metro light. So people don't care <laughs> what <laughs> solution you are implementing. They just care yeah. about what word you are using.
0: Yeah, but sometimes this framing of, of, uh, of, of systems could be very uh, uh, valuable. Or, uh, so I like I the idea, actually. Yeah. Because I think if you ask uh, 10 uh, normal people, so to speak, what will is, probably you'll get 12 answers.
1: Yeah, that's why they call it MetroLite. So it's a Metro, but a light yeah. version of Metro. Yeah, <laughs> I like it, actually. Yeah, no, that's interesting. You wrote a book on light rail system and comparing 61 system. But I know that you are not only working on light rail system. You are doing so many interesting projects. And uh, one of the projects which I'm very curious to learn more about is digital inequality in transport services. You mentioned that digitalization can cause more disadvantages than advantages. And I, I was like a bit shocked to read the statement, but I said like, okay, let's understand from you. I agree that many transit agencies are looking to implement new technology to see if they can cut the wages uh, physical infrastructure staff discontinue the cash tickets and etc and the purpose of technology is also to have a good streamlined system rather than running two parallel systems in the world you did a detailed study on on the consequence of digitalization in transport uh, services on people through the lens of digital inequality and i love that point because you mentioned about learning from society would you mind sharing your finding and recommendation about this?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think this is a relatively new topic on our agenda. Also, um, inclusive mobility. So the, so the fifth E I was just referring to uh, of equity. Um, we, we used to say in general when I was, uh, was uh, presenting about the five E's and then the fifth E, Uh, we see issues with equity in the US, for instance, or in France, in the banlieues, and and in the Netherlands, it wasn't a big problem yet. And I think it's still not very big, but at least uh, fortunately it gets more attention because we also face uh, inequality. And in the end, most people, not all, but think that everybody should have uh, similar opportunities in in, in society and mobility um, uh, could play quite a role there provide accessibility to schools and hospitals and jobs, uh, etc. So I'm very happy to see that, uh, that we are also moving more into that uh, domain, because also um, from a scientific perspective, there's quite still a lot of research gaps there to, to, uh, to deal with, both with regarding how to measure it, how to improve it, etc. So that's nice. And this project about digital uh, equality is, a, is in cooperation with the Dutch Ministry of Transport. So that's also nice, uh, a nice uh, setup, I would say. And, and regarding the findings, the first yeah, finding was actually the start of the project was for me uh, striking that uh, in our country, we have about 70 million inhabitants and uh, mm. over, over two and a half million of them. Uh, above 16 are not able to 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 read or write well, or are digitally um, has, have diff- um, limited digital skills. So that's that's a huge group. Yeah, and that's not only the that's not only the elderly. That's not only the people um, from another country. That's that's actually amongst whole society. Um, so so actually starting with who are facing issues and to what extent. That's already part of the, of the findings, I would say. Uh, we see multiple levels of inaccessibility. Could be because indeed you, you have no digital skills, you don't know how to handle a smartphone, um, but it could also be that you don't have sufficient funds to, to, to buy a smartphone or to, mm. to, uh, to have a subscription to a smartphone. Uh, that, that those are also um, hurdles uh, to take. So there are multiple levels in this, uh, in this domain. Um, and what's also interesting now we are also looking at um, with uh, with André Durand, which is who is a PZ in our lab uh, at, at um, uh, solutions. Uh, so how to uh, and and indeed, as you say, uh, there are many benefits. Uh, totally agree uh, of digitalization that helps us that makes things more efficient, uh, less expensive. Um, but it comes with a price. So there's there's a new trade-off actually. Um, <clears throat> Uh, there so how how important do you think that it digital uh, equality is because mm. probably they will come with a price w- reducing the efficiency gains you you just managed to to uh, to mm. achieve so it's also what for me also in this 5e model is important so dear society what do you want to achieve and uh, how much um, how much do you want to pay for it and then pay in a, in a wider sense I would say uh, because probably it will come with a price and uh, you don't need to completely turn back all the benefits of digitalizations. Uh, hopefully not, because yeah. again, I think digitalization has a lot of benefits, but maybe a bit of it, uh, like people around to ask uh, to, uh, if you completely remove them from your biggest stations, etc., cetera, you, you might run into uh, issues. So that's a balancing act. And that's where we actually are now uh, to find out and to learn about it.
1: Uh, quite surprising for me to understand 2.5 million people because that's representing around eight to nine percent of the population, which is not not a small group, like you mentioned. Uh, Indeed, and and you can't exclude them uh, from these services, and you can't neglect them because probably they are the one who need these services or these uh, facilities the more than others.
0: That that's even more uh, ironic, you would say, that they they might need uh, these systems even more than others.
1: It's interesting you're working on this topic and, and giving some solution. Would love to would love to see how, how it will evolve. And, and I think it's a, it can be a learning for a lot of transit agencies around the world because everybody thinks that everybody can buy a smartphone and everybody can have data packages and all, but that's probably not a right assumptions. Uh, probably you need to talk to your customer. And then again, I come back to that point about human-centric approach. It's actually with technology we are losing that uh, mindset uh, how to serve everybody
0: yeah and another point to stress here in this kind of research it's if if you talk to your direct colleagues to your own bubble of of people who are completely aware of everything in general uh, have a good income a steady income etc yeah that's not full society I would say so that's That's important to to get out of your bubble and to which is not easy but um we, we had a discussion lately about uh, travel cost uh, reimbursements from your job which yeah. is in general for us a topic you at least could discuss with your management but there are plenty of jobs where this is out of the discussion so if you if you ask about it you lose your job and they find somebody else so it's also yeah it, it's tricky to only think from your own perspective in that sense
1: Actually, very interesting point to raise, because I was now thinking a lot of transit agencies and a lot of agencies industry are doing survey online. But it means then you are taking people who has all the yeah. facility and getting a very biased view rather than doing survey of whole society.
0: Yeah, For, for this research, we are now uh, actually uh, performing uh, live interviews, which was also tricky during COVID, by the way. But- <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we are also uh, um, yeah, exploring new research opportunities more. We, we, we tend to be in, in the quantitative domain, you could say. But for this topic, you should also use more qualitative uh, approaches. And, uh,
1: yeah. and
0: that's interesting to, to discover about the value there.
1: That's a great point. My next question is a bit longer, and it's it's important too, because it's about future. And uh, one thing I want to check, like are you a big fan of Elon Musk or not? Uh, he's quite popular among the new generation. And recently, on the Tesla earning call, he mentioned some interesting point and also I would say some scary point. Uh, I read it uh, some point for you. He said that uh, effectively in long term, every car will be full, fully self-driving car he feel that self-driving is good for society as a set utilization a person drive his and her car for 1.5 hour a day on average uh which is around 10 to 12 hour a week so people will have more free time like you don't need to drive so drive vehicle will drive itself so you can do something on your own the second point he mentioned that a lot of cars are in parking lot and uh, we are spending money, not just driving the car, but storing them all over the place. And I, I agree. I, I hate cars because 95% of their lifetime, they, they are in parking. But he's saying we can get rid of a lot of parking lots, not by removing the car, but by putting all the car on the road all the time. So you don't need to remove car from away from the road. So they will keep running on the road and it will increase the traffic uh, for sure. And you analyze an an autonomous mobility very closely as a first and last mile connectivity. What do you think about this scenario in which everyone has a self-driving car and it can be on road all the time? Uh, Maybe we can repurpose all the parking spaces or maybe we can repurpose the use of cars. Do you think it's a good scenario or it's a scary scenario? What do you think about this?
0: Yeah, good questions, uh, just Paul. Yeah, starting with your your first question about whether I'm a fan. I'm I'm not a big fan per se. Um, we'll come back to that uh, later. However, what I like is to have these people. You need society needs people who are making next steps and who dream extreme, extremely in general. But uh, it's it's good to have people who uh, think further than than next year or next 10 years or whatever, and
1: yeah.
0: it could be inspiring indeed for new generations to challenge yourself, to challenge society and to come up with uh, new solutions to, uh, to issues instead of continuing with the existing solutions. So in that sense, um, that's an interesting person for sure. Uh, and and when, when you talked about autonomous vehicles, eh, there, there is, it's a sort of a dream. Eh, you, can, uh, you get more free time. Eh, as, as, as a public transport user, I would say I use public transport uh, already because then I can read a book or can do some work. Um, so it's not per se autonomous vehicles needed uh, <laughs> for, for, for that. Uh, and also to get rid of, of parking space in general, uh, replace it by more green or more space for children to play. And I, and I think nobody disagrees there. Uh, the question though is how, how to get there. Um, and with regard to autonomous vehicles, I'm not sure sure. Um, but it, 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 it's in, in, that's in, 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 in the social media discussions, it's always black and white. that's either you're in, Uh, in favor or not. And I think um, I'm afraid that as a a scientist, we we always say it's in the middle and it depends. Mm. So I see opportunities and there are already opportunities for uh, self-driving technology, I think. Uh, First of all, we had uh, self-driving metros already for for ages, you could say. Um, And also in the Netherlands, we had a a shuttle service first last mile to a metro station. Yeah. uh, For over 20 years already which is, uh, I think it's near Rotterdam, uh, which is a good example of how it could work. Uh, however, I don't see our future uh, being fully uh, automated. No. I think there are still, especially in dense areas with cyclists, with pedestrians, um, I, don't, I don't see an, uh, uh, it, it happen. Uh, and, I don't, and I also don't see the need for it to happen. That's also important. Huh? Why are we going into that direction? And uh, there are benefits, uh, obviously. But I think, uh, uh, I expect that these will mainly be visible on highways. I think mm. that would be a good place for uh, automation. And also in, in dedicated shuttles to and from uh, public transport, car parks, uh, airports, uh, all that kind of uh, things. Uh, because I must say that uh, we do a lot of research, by the way, in automation, which is great to, to learn about. And uh, again, there's a lot of uh, potential applications there for the, for the inner cities or a campus here. Uh, it's, uh, if you see all the bicycles uh, um, uh, in, the, in the pre-COVID uh, phase, these autonomous vehicles will never get through here. That's that mm-hmm. will be impossible, I think, from a safety perspective. Um, and I, I, I must say that I found the developments going quite slow. Mm-hmm. I remember some people, maybe Elon Musk, I, I'm not sure, but I think their prediction was that in 2020 all our cities would be full of uh, autonomous vehicles.
1: Yeah, many yeah. people made that prediction long back, but
0: last time when I looked, I didn't see I didn't see <laughs> one. Um, so it's getting slow, and also due to the safety restrictions, etc the vehicles itself are also relatively slow, you could say. And then in our case, you get a bit of a competition between the shuttle and the bicycle. Uh, we did a lot of research with regard to passenger acceptance and passenger preferences. Uh, and there's an, there is uh, a market share to be expected for uh, autonomous shuttles, for sure. And also the business case is of course, interesting. Uh, yeah. there. Uh, but we also see it's also a bit of depending on the weather, I must admit, it's, it, as we speak, it's raining. So that's a bit of a tricky thing for the, for, for the bicycle. But in general, the expectations are that the, the model share of bicycles will be still be highest compared to shuttles. Yeah. Uh, but we also found, for instance, that for first class travelers, uh, uh, business travelers in general, for them, uh, a shuttle might be more convenient and affordable. So there's, there's a, there is a market there. Uh, but i think in general my take is that it's over the expectations are uh, overrated
1: yeah no you're right Uh, like we already have fully autonomous vehicle in form of a public transit they don't need parking space and uh, you don't need to drive you can read your book you can meet people you can drink your coffee with people and so sometimes it's important to look in the past, to find answer for future, we are so focused on future that sometimes we forget what we did in past to solve these problem and all. Uh, I move on to next point uh, from this uh, scary world to optimistic scenario about mobility as a service. Mobility as a service, you know, now is kind of a buzzword and uh, everybody see as a next hero of public transportation. Uh, I know you are working on an interesting Mars project uh, that focus on the behavioral aspect of individual consumer a lot of companies a lot of people are working on the technology side and again they lose focus about uh, what society think about uh, these new technology what's are your thought on mass and how can city encourage people to use it
0: yeah that's a that's a good point and yeah indeed my my take in general is it's also what i teach my students new technology is great but always ask you the question what's in it for society what's in it for for the passenger uh, and I think mass can provide benefits uh, there. I think it would be very convenient, actually, with the continuous growing landscape of m- available modes. Modes mm. come and go, but are added also. So it's helpful to have a, a one platform to pay, to get information, uh, to book them, etc. So I think that's an that's an obvious uh, benefit. Um, but every now and then I feel a bit like a midbuster, uh, so to speak, <laughs> with all these new technology that's in my, in my uh, view, is overestimating the, the benefits a bit. Mm. Uh, when I started this uh, smart uh, public transport lab, some people were actually saying to me, why are you going to do research in public transport? Because mass means the end of public transport. That, that mm. was told to me a couple of years ago. And I think what now all researchers uh, researchers and, and uh, practical experiences show is actually... Uh, Public transport is the core of, of mass, I would say. So it's not yeah. replacing it; it's actually enriching it. You could you could say. So what's 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 in a name and how things can change. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also uh, what mass could provide, indeed, because um, all the benefits of public transport we were discussing here only are there if it's a well designed and mm. well operated system. And yeah, to be honest, that's not the case for many public transport systems all over the world uh, there are many hurdles it's it's hard to find your way if you're not well trained for public transport it's sometimes uh, hard to find your way transferring getting information how to pay hmm. um, and i think MAS is especially helpful in that sense to to lower these thresholds to make it a more uh, attractive alternative uh, for people and maybe uh, you know, stimulate them to make a move from their individual car towards public transport including bicycles uh, uh, shared cars etc I think that's uh, that's what uh,
1: what mass uh, could uh, could provide us that's an interesting point you mentioned about like people were thinking mass will replace public transit uh, but actually mass uh, uh, is more dependent on public transit than any other mode uh, and society need to rethink how the benefit can be generated from mass rather than just looking from the technology side and I think that's a core I, I'm getting This core message from you is uh, anything you do, whether it's uh, operational infrastructure, whether it's technology, whether building new modes and transit, the important thing is who's the customer and how they will get benefit out of it, uh, rather than thinking about the fancy keywords and buzzword. I love that. Uh, Now, I want to Talk about cycles, and so you are from the country and city which is like known for the cyclists and the the number of cycles uh, in in the cities, and it's a popular mode. And you conducted a lot of research about first and last mile connectivity and how the impact of cycling uh, infrastructure can improve the public transportation accessibility and all. So I would like to hear your thought about these new mode of transportation such as e scooters, e bike, bike sharing, scooter sharing, and so on. I mean now I forgot. Like it's very difficult to keep track of what's a new buzzword is coming. What are the way in which these modes are redefining some of the traditional options?
0: Uh, we We live in exciting times, isn't it, from a mobility yeah. <laughs> uh, perspective because there's the, the landscape has changed quite quickly, actually. I remember uh, going to Paris at some point, and then the city was was flooded with with shared bicycles. and 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 the year after, we couldn't find uh, uh, two similar bikes again with my wife and yeah. the, the city was flooded with, with these e-scooters. e-scooters. Standing, uh, so it's, the developments are so quick, sometimes hard for us as researchers to, to, uh, <laughs> to catch up because our research takes time and before you know it's already over. Uh, but, it's, but it's great. And also uh, the younger generation likes these modes. And also it's very interesting in uh, helping us uh, investigating. So in general, you would say had yeah, the more options, the better for, for the individual customer. Uh, however, in this case, there's also the question what's in it for society. And then, and then there, there, there's a trade-off and a balance to be made. Uh, because I think in general, these modes could provide us um, multiple uh, benefits. But I think with regard to the 2nd E-efficient cities, so space usage, I think uh, on the one hand, they could help. Uh, a standing e-scooter is much more space efficient than a car or even a, a regular yeah. bike. Uh, however, it's I think it's already proven now that some regulations need to be in place preventing your city to be flooded uh, with, with these vehicles, uh, making also your cities less ex- uh, accessible for people... Uh, with difficulty, difficulties to walk, for instance, because it's if, if the streets are full of these uh, things lying around. Uh, so there are some obvious uh, challenges, I would say. Uh, what also strikes me in this context, uh, I think in general, they could help public transport in first last mile, uh, for instance. Yeah. Um, but they could also compete with public transport. Uh, so are they completing or competing public transport? That's, that's what we uh, say uh, often. And that's an interesting research topic and also interesting to discuss with operators. And I'm Mm. very happy to see that in the Netherlands, uh, there's a trend now going on that the public transport operators uh, don't see the bicycle as a competitor anymore, uh, which I think is in general a good approach. Uh, Of course, there are trips that could be replaced by a bicycle, which I think in general, societal uh, a view, a view from, uh, from a society, that's much better. And then yeah. as a public transport operator, you could focus on the trips that need to be made by public transport. So in the end, it's a balance of, of multiple modes, I would say. And, and it's a bit similar for these other emerging modes. Um, although what we learn from our research is there's especially these e-scooters, so both standing and, and sitting e-scooters, it's general, the young generation using them it's fun uh, in a way yeah. um, they don't have in, in our cities, they don't have a high um, uh, share. Um, and I must say that in the Netherlands, the standing scooters are not allowed yet. Um, oh, okay. So maybe that's also helpful that we first could learn a bit from other countries <laughs> worldwide, what's happening. Uh, but their share is limited, but the visibility is high because you see scooters, uh, the, the, the sitting scooters all over, uh, multiple brands, yeah. and then again, yeah, how many apps do you need to install to, to, to get access?
1: Sure.
0: Um, yeah, so I, I think we're, we're not in, in a mature phase at all. Uh, and I hope we can find uh, the best way to, uh, to, to find the optimal mix of all these modes, including public transport and regular uh, uh, biking, uh, probably with some limitations with regard to parking and, and, and that kind of things. Then I think if we manage that well, we can uh, really get the best out of uh, all these modes. Yeah, but it, yeah. it, it takes some some time, um, and uh, yeah, in the end, uh, we learned a lot uh, because we're also advocating these modes sometimes from a, a, um, a sustainability perspective. And yeah, if we have. Uh, boats full of bikes here from from China, for instance. And in, in the campus, we had uh, Chinese uh, bikes, which were great actually. Uh, but now they're all gone. Hmm. So all these bikes were produced, they were transported, um, and yeah, it would be interesting to also have a life cycle uh, analysis <laughs> of that. Is that sustainability? Is that sustainable or not? Uh, I think asking the question is already answering it. So we should we should get to the next level, I would say. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, you rightly mentioned, like these modes are coming so fast and going so fast, you don't sometimes even wonder what should you do research about because by the time you start the research, they are gone and something new start and uh, I think cities are becoming like a now live lab. So, so many things are coming up and people are just experimenting and seeing what will stay and what will vanish in two, three years' yeah, time. That's also what I like,
0: because we do a lot of theoretical research, of course. But, but, but one of my dreams is also put everything there on the station and just see what people will do. How will they react? What, would, what are they willing to pay? Um, for what trips do, will they use what mode? It's, it's indeed one big uh, lab, you know, one living lab. Um, yeah. yeah. Made for us as researchers, I think.
1: Yeah, it's it's great for everybody to understand what people will like and do it. Uh, uh, other point I want to check with you, and, and I know because I met you when in Delhi, you talked a lot about big data and all. So you are very much obsessed with transit data and always look for a new way to experiment with it. Like, I really like your point about putting all the mode at the station as people decide and choose, and you can do a lot of research about that. You conducted research in Netherlands on smart card data and vehicle GPS data to learn about the customer behavior. Why do you believe city failed to properly use data? Because there is tons of data available, but cities generally can't able to use it. And do you believe academia or technology firm can play a role here?
0: Yeah, to start with the last question, yes, I, I think I'm convinced actually. Uh, I think also that happened to some extent in, uh, in our country and beyond. Uh, uh, in, in our lab, I just mentioned that we are now exploring also qualitative uh, uh, research methods, but data in general is our oxygen. We use mm-hmm. data uh, for, for most of our uh, researchers about data, and data, uh, smart card data, uh, avl data, uh, platform, uh, 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 planner data, we, we, the world is full of data. Uh, and I think there's actually a role for us to explore the opportunities. Also great with uh, with students because you don't know. It's not a project like you uh, that you start and know where you will end. It's it's mm. it's, an explore, it's an exploring adventure, you could say, and that's always a bit risky for for cities <laughs> or for companies. But for scientists, yeah, that's actually what we do, and we learn, and hopefully we get some positive results. But sometimes we get. Uh, negative results which are also valuable uh, to uh, uh, learn from they are less uh, sexy to to share or whatever yeah. but uh, and in that sense i think uh, academia is, is a good place to uh, to do these uh, explorations and that's also what we did uh, last uh, 10 years maybe um, i was then uh, in those days i was also working as a consultant uh, so i was quite well involved in what what happened what was happening in the industry uh, and via my role as, uh, as academic, I could indeed learn from other countries, yeah, also from the US and, and Asia, um, but also indeed, yeah, learned by learning by doing. And um, I think one of the main things we found was that people were not aware of the value of all that data. So the question, they, they, they were not aware, aware of the, the improved business cases or the improved customer service, the improved decision-making. And what we showed them, we showed them actually that value. And then they were, because it always comes with a price. And then people say, yeah, I have to pay or to put time or effort. And, and what will it yield? And, and that's what we showed them. We, we inspired them, I think. That these are things you could, uh, could do with all the data. Um, and then I think industry, uh, at least in the Netherlands, m- many operators uh, are now working uh, themselves with all these methods, not only because of us, by the way, but uh, at least I think we contributed uh, a bit. Uh, and and that, that's a great role. And we, all, we should always be front runners from academia. Mm. Eh? And once it gets mainstream, then it's perfect uh, that other uh, companies or whatever continue there. So we're now also investigating new sources like planner data. So how are people planning their journeys? Could we use the data to predict a ridership, for instance, uh, that kind of things?
1: Yeah, well, that's a great point. And, and actually, that's kind of linked with my next question, because I don't see you purely as an academician, because you are like the line you mentioned about learning by practice is more important than learning by just doing research. So doing, going back in the society and going with the city and talking to people, that's a way to learn. And that's your life journey too. You work now work as a full-time academic, but you previously left university, like you mentioned in, in earlier uh, two times and work with public transport operator and consultant. So I would say you have seen now every aspect of the business. So you work uh, with the with the authority, you work with the operator, you work with the consulting side, and now you're working with academia and, and running the smart uh, mobility lab. In what way do you think academia role is more relevant or becoming more uh, important in this changing world when there are so many things are happening every day? And uh, I really agree with you when you said that, that these students are the next generation the leaders and executives and innovators uh, in the mobility sector. So what role do you think Academia will play or playing uh, in the society?
0: Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a good point. And we discuss a lot more and more fortunately also here in Delft about societal impact and the awareness that we are here for a good reason, not being doing research only. <laughs> Uh, that's of course uh, the 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 fundament of, of what we're doing but there's more to gain and uh, now first of all it's education education uh, of young uh, uh, people young talents to to join the industry in whatever position and to make a difference there i think that's that's the, maybe the biggest contribution we do but also trainings i'm also involved in in trainings for professionals uh, etc mm. so in that sense i would stress that um yeah, with regard to uh, to research, uh, we just discussed about exploring new things, um, uh, the, the, the things we are not sure about whether they will make it or not, uh, where companies probably won't put their money and effort on. I think then science is relevant to, to step in. Um, evaluations of what happened. Uh, it's not very popular to evaluate failed projects like we did with the Lightrill book. Um, yeah, we don't have a tradition actually to evaluate things could be a bit yeah, uh, confronting or whatever. And
1: I, I yeah.
0: think to learn from project, we need to evaluate them. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also an important role as an academic. And yeah, what I would like to do is um, yeah, to improve the level of decision-making, uh, evidence-based decision-making. Uh, I would like to, uh, to contribute to that and i know nowadays our world is more dominated by social media based decision making you could say <laughs> there's a lot of opinions uh, going around on youtube uh, etc still I, I hope that also uh, uh, some decision makers trust on, on science and, and continue there and i i believe that that's an important uh, an important role and and last but not least also in, in, in contact with you for instance uh, when when we uh, when we met in uh, in India the other day, is, is connecting uh, worldwide knowledge yeah. uh, to each other, uh, because we, most countries tend to to look at the daily daily operations, uh, their own country or region even, while there are so many things going on all over the world. Oh yeah, good things, things that fail, but from all we can learn. And as an academic, I think we are in a good position. Yeah, to be aware of, of, of things happening all over the globe and also to connect it and, and distract the, the learningful uh, lessons there.
1: Well, that's a great point to, to mention is uh, so much innovation happening all around us and you never know from where the next uh, innovation will come from. Will it be Asia? Will it be Africa? Will it be MENA region uh, or Latin America or North America? You never know uh, from where the new innovation really? will come. So that's a, that's a great point now to move to our next section. So we talk a lot about mobility and all, but now I want to talk a little more about you. So uh, we have this rapid fire question round. And the idea is that <laughs> we'll ask you five questions and you need to give your answer very quickly. So simply say what comes to your mind. Uh, so if you're ready, then my first question is about uh, if you were not in the mobility sector, which is hard to believe or, or in academia, what other profession you would have selected?
0: Now that, that's very hard to believe uh, just Paul because I think uh, if you ask uh, the, the, my, my friends when I was a small kid they will always say that I would end up in public transport and ah. here I am so it's, it's not a surprise for, for nobody in my, that, I, that, I, that I'm that i in public transport or in mobility uh, however I also told you that, that I'm not very good at predicting my, my, my career so who knows uh, but to be honest yeah, I, w- I was interested in public transport systems, connections, timetable, uh, uh, passenger behavior f- for all my life. I-, I did have some other ideas as a kid. I'm not sure how uh, serious I could go for those careers. Uh, as a, one was uh, becoming a magis- magician. Oh. Uh, so you, know, you watch <laughs> me, uh, and the other one was a radio DJ. Now, yeah, the, the, this podcast is probably the closest I get to, uh, <laughs> to that one. But, uh, um, but on a more serious note, the, the only thing I can imagine is uh, maybe in the field of logistics, freight, Logising. which is also fair, But that's still quite close to my uh, comfort zone. You would say,
1: yeah. So you are you are made for made for transit, and then transit is made for you. So that's that's great. You travel all around, like many countries around the world, and you—I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure you must be. First thing you must be observing there is uh, how the city works, how people move, and all. So, which is your favorite city in the world?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm in, indeed in a lucky position uh, that that be as an academic, you are uh, able to travel uh, all over the world actually, and to learn from all these cities and to also enjoy these cities you can ask my family about <laughs> me being in a, in a new city that I'm checking out the public transport networks the first thing uh, when I arrive uh, and try to, to lure them into new lines I want to explore. But in general, I think, yeah, there's so many beautiful cities and inconvenient cities, but I was thinking about this and I think not so far away from here is Paris convenient mm-hmm. by, uh, by high-speed train. Uh, we have quite some context with the, the French uh, railways so I had some uh, good reasons to go there every now and then before COVID. And it's a very, for me, it's a great city. And similar actually with, uh, with uh, Madrid in Spain. Uh, mm. it's, it's the, the weather is a bit better, I would say, than, uh, than here. <laughs> the food is much better than here, mm. I would also say. Uh, so I also like that one. And last on my list, I think, is I had the opportunity to, uh, uh, to have some time with uh, Professor Graham Curry in uh, Melbourne, uh, Monash uh-huh. University. Uh, a couple of years ago and it was a great time he has a great group of public transport i think he's the leading academic in in the world very great guy uh, and and inspiring and i must say that also melbourne is quite a convenient uh, place to uh, to live I, i don't see myself living in another country i must say i'm very for me, I moved from the south of the country to, to the west the So that's only one and a half hour. That was already a big leap for me. <laughs> so I don't see myself in another country living, but going there, enjoying the yeah, that's that's great.
1: See so oh, you have a long list and I think it's it's increasing every year. <laughs>
0: There's still some uh, on my bucket list, I think. Yeah.
1: No, you, you mentioned about like any city you go and check out the public transit system. So now you have, I would say you are one of the experienced travel of public transit uh, system around the world. So that's my next question, which is which city has the best uh, transit network in the world for you?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I listened to your first podcast with uh, Mohammed from UITP, and he, he had a good point about best practices versus good practices, <laughs> actually. I remember that one, which is actually, uh, he didn't like uh, to talk about best practices, because I totally agree, there are good practices all over the world. Let's combine them into one system that's <laughs> sort of ideal. Um, but going a bit more tangible, I think what I like, for instance, in, in France, I like the aesthetics and the link to urban planning of, of yeah. public transport, with in general with light rail or also with BRT. So they don't they have this wider view as, a, as we promote by the five e model, I think. In Germany, the systems are very robust and, and functional, I would say. So that would be already a good combination of the, of the two. <laughs> Um, but from outside Europe, I think Asia is by far uh, my favorite. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to Hong Kong 10 years ago, mm-hmm. also went to Singapore a couple of years ago. Yeah, these systems are, I think, the best as, as far as I have seen in the world. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I really like them, very convenient from a passenger uh, experience.
1: Yeah, they are the, one of the best systems, I would say, around the world uh, and, and good city. And and I think these best systems make the cities good also. That's what our politicians need to understand. A good city. That's in the means. end
0: how it works. Public transport is not a goal in itself. It should contribute to your societal goals, to your city, to your regions. Basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, now, the question I want to know, learn from you is like you are closely watching uh, startup space and all. What's your favorite startup in the mobility sector?
0: Yeah, there, there are multiple interesting ones and, and, and uh, try to get uh, track of, the, of them. But there's, there's one I would like to stress here. It's it's uh, I think they're only operating in the Netherlands, I must say. It's uh, mm. Bondi, Bondi.city, if you like to, uh, to uh, pay them a visit. They are uh, operating uh, shared bicycle systems in the Netherlands in a couple of cities. And uh, we cooperated with them. Uh, they have tons of data, and, and mm. but they also have a business to run, so they also don't have the time and the uh, and and, and uh, the opportunities. So we had students uh, helping them out there, and it was a great cooperation. And it's two young guys, students still, or um, uh, I think around 25, or uh, and they started this company with the two of them. They operate these shared bicycle systems in, in multiple cities in the Netherlands, and I really admire that entrepreneurship. That's, yeah. that's so inspiring and i and these are two great guys they work 24 7 i think oh yeah um but it's really inspiring uh, to 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 meet them and to discuss with them about the future of mobility so i would uh, mention them here as my favorite
1: uh, Just. Oh, that's that's great and i'll put their link in the show notes so that other yes. people can also see sure. about that so we are at kind of uh, coming to them, and that is the last question i always ask uh, my my guest and uh, and it's important uh, is like if you could change one thing about your life what would it be
0: yeah i i must admit this is a good question to think about your <laughs> i'm quite satisfied uh, with how things are going uh, i i think i'm in a fortunate uh, position and uh, maybe that's also um what, what, what I would like to change, not per se for myself, but I think in general, I think distribution of, of, of um, wealth and health is, is quite uneven in the world. And, and that's, that's sad uh, uh, to, to, to see. And also a bit more uh, looking at, we talked about traveling we talked about live lectures and if I could change anything let's get rid of covid and get back to our lives uh, learn from the pandemic uh, let's, let's learn the lessons and the opportunities uh, but i think most people are facing uh, for me it's annoying but hmm. for many people worldwide it's it's more than than annoying and it's yeah. life threatening uh, and let's hope we can uh, we can leave this uh, stage uh, forever i would say
1: no that's a, that's both our great point uh, about uneven health and uneven wealth. Uh, that's, a, that's a big point. And, and a lot of people feel that pandemic is annoying, but they need to think about like it's it's changing many people's lives. So we should feel lucky that we are sitting safe and healthy.
0: If you are complaining about, which I do a lot, I must say about uh, working from home, that apparently uh, implies that you have a home and you have a job. I think that's that's a a... nice uh, sentence.
1: That's a great point. I I, I found
0: somewhere on social media, I must say.
1: That's a great point. No, thank you so much, Niels. And uh, I think I really enjoyed this conversation, really learned from you. And like I said, you are not a academician, you are a practitioner. And, and I love that because all your points are about human-centric approach, evidence, science-based uh, work rather than doing assumptions and presumptions. And, and uh, in the end, what you mentioned, working from home means that you are blessed with home and with work, which is a great thing. So I really enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot from your experience. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We will be inviting some other inspiring guests in coming week. You can subscribe us online to get the notification for the next episode. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it will help us to spread our message. If you have any feedback and suggestion for this podcast, please do write to us at info at the rate innovatorscom